Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Scripture tells us that deception has always been alive and well. It first began in the Garden of Eden with Satan working through the compliant form of the serpent, who then plied Eve with lies that she believed, Genesis 3. Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that since that time, Satan has been using deception in all forms to bring about his agenda. This is especially true in these last days or end times, and all manner of deception is wreaking havoc on global society within Christendom, the political and business arena, and even within the medical field. Is it the Christian's job to change this? Well, I'm not convinced we can. Or is it simply to continue to try to evangelize the lost out of a world that's going to be destroyed? In Matthew 24, Jesus warned his followers of many things that would occur as the end of this age approached. Now, that was over 2,000 years ago roughly. And this includes the fact that deception would increase as it came through a variety of false messiahs in Christ and other arenas. Are we there? Well, if we consider people whom we all rightly call deceivers, they appear to come in two main groups. I'm kind of simplifying things here. The first group is made up of people who know exactly what they're doing, They're using deceptive measures to purposefully gain control over people. These, for instance, are leaders, some of the leaders within Christendom who chose their path because they simply want to get rich and powerful. They know what they're doing, and they know that it's a huge scam. Now, people like this use the Bible as a tool, or maybe a better word is to say they use it as a weapon more accurately, to overcome a person's ability to think critically about what they're hearing, what they're being taught. People will follow leaders like this because they believe that their message has worked for that leader. So, gosh, it must be true. So it can work for them as well. But often within these circles, the idea of gaining wealth and power is what the follower locks in on as confirmation of truth. The leader preaching their lies, is very willing to tell and even show followers what they want to see and hear. It's all part of the con, designed to take money from that follower without the follower realizing that he or she is being scammed. That is the very definition of a con artist. Now again, I believe that many of these leaders know full well that they are scamming people and they continue to support their extravagant lifestyles. That's why they do it. It's the only reason they do it. The second group of deceivers are those who are, in fact, completely deceived by Satan. They've actually come to believe, for instance, word of faith tenets, and they believe that they're true. Satan gifts these people with an ability to convince the unwary or the unlearned. And because of this, those followers are willing to sacrifice in terms of time and money, mainly money, to give to that leader's ministry. Think of every cult that has either been in existence or continues to exist now. It's amazing what these people who follow these leaders, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, or anything else, it's amazing what people will be willing to give up 
just to be part of that particular cult. So these leaders do what they do in their quote-unquote ministry, and then his or her followers actually see a reality in these leaders and their lifestyle that confirms to them, the followers, that there must be truth with those leaders. And, And if they could simply grow their own faith enough, they would also be able to replicate what those leaders have. So while the two groups might have different motivations, one is deliberate, the other is unintentional as far as deception is concerned, the end result is the exact same thing. Now, when they all stand before Jesus, people from both groups of leaders, the deliberate and the unintentionally deceived, will hear these words, depart from me, you accursed, I never knew you, Matthew 7, 23. 2441. So essentially, a person can end up going to hell and ultimately the lake of fire because because they either deliberately or knowingly deceive people or they themselves were deceived into believing lies. And in either case, it's a very sad state. Now, in a video I've got linked at the bottom of the transcript, Doreen Virtue interviews a musician named Josh, who was a paid music leader for the Kenneth Copeland Ministries. He was there for a while. Now, ultimately, both he and his wife came out of their deceptive lifestyle, she, a Jehovah's Witness, and he, Word of Faith, to become authentic Christians. His story is interesting. And during the course of, I guess, the video that Doreen shares in the interview, Josh shares some very important insider information that I wasn't aware of that occurs within the Word of Faith movement. One of the things that Josh says is that within the Word of Faith deception, people like Kenneth Copeland are considered a general. Interesting. That means that he's not only unapproachable, but the average person is supposed to make every effort to never speak to him. You want to know why? Well, according to Josh, it's because he was told and they're all told that God may be speaking to Kenneth Copeland at the exact moment that you are trying to talk to him. And you don't want to interrupt God, do you? So just leave Copeland alone as he basks in God's shadow and hears what God has to tell him. Now, the Word of Faith movement, according to Josh, is actually a pyramid scheme in the way it's structured. Josh shared that he was considered to be the bottom of the pyramid. He was expected to give his tithe to the pastor over him in the next row up, and uh, that pastor then was expected to turn his tithe over to the pastor above him in the next row above that pastor. Well, this went on until each row uh, got to the top where generals like Kenneth Copeland, who essentially received a part of everyone's tithe below him, was at work. No word on what Copeland did with his tithe, or even if, in fact, he did tithe. Now, another thing Josh tells us is the fact that as a lead musician, and this is very important, his job was to design the worship music to be extremely ethereal and otherworldly, kind of new agey. This, coupled with lights and sound, created a setting and would often set the stage for what would happen during the worship. And Josh pointed out that the major goal was to create an environment with music, lights, and sounds so that people would essentially become putty in the hands of the musicians and the speaker. Josh said that at that point, people would pretty much do whatever was expected of them. So they were using technology 
to coerce people into acting a certain way without them knowing. And it worked. Emotionally, these people got drawn in. And as I said, the new age does the same thing. And Josh also also went on to explain that deeply studying God's word was something that most within the word of faith avoided because they were told by their leaders to avoid it. The leaders would tell them that the average person, um, if they studied God's word seriously, they often became nitpickers and they would end up even leaving word of faith and they would be in danger of losing their salvation. So it's our job to know who is and who is not a charlatan. That's, that's what our job is as a Christian. Who is teaching error for their own gain and who is teaching truth? As Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. And in the context of that, he was speaking of false prophets, Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Well, the interview between Doreen and Josh is, I think, a good one because it sheds light on the level of deception that exists in life now, at least in the Word of Faith movement and elsewhere. It seems to be getting much worse as well. And obviously, Jesus warning about the increase of false prophets, teachers, and Christ's coming at the end of the age implies that there would be a serious uptick in deception as this end of this age approaches. He even warned, see to it that you are not deceived, Matthew 24, 4, which tells me that if we're not careful, we can be deceived to a point. Now, I suppose there is a completely different type of deception that is prevalent today as well, aside from the two that I've already mentioned. The two noted above that I previously talked about are those within the realm of religion and within Christendom specifically. This next one has little to do with religion, although it's interesting because some within this area continue to pretend that religion is important to them, to make them appear upstanding and concerned about the plight of people, that they're virtuous. And I'm referring to politicians and business leaders. Now, one thing I've noticed repeatedly is that when liars are caught in lies, it doesn't matter who they are. They tend to ignore and move on, or or they'll attack if, if they can't do anything else. I've got some images I included in the transcript, which I'm going to refer to. There's one image that provides a good example. In Atlanta, someone defaced, I guess, continuously or over time, the rainbow crosswalk that exists in the city. And it's supposed to be the LGBTQ reference there. Well, when this happened originally, those on the left immediately decried the act as clearly coming from a Nazi that is a white supremacist. Well, it turns out a black man named Jonas Sampson was the person of interest whom the police determined was the guy who sprayed swastikas across the painted crosswalk. And since then, not only has the left been extremely quiet about this, but they've yet to apologize for concluding wrongly that the person who did this was a white supremacist. In another situation, also in Atlanta, a young black woman was arrested recently for being a shooter at the Atlanta airport. She's not a white supremacist. The left is unusually quiet about this and is not using this particular situation to demand more gun control. Why? Because she's black and she's most likely a leftist. In fact, every time there's a mass shooting otherwise, the left leads the accusations that the person must be a Nazi, a white supremacist, or Trump supporter, in spite of the fact that they are, more often than not, a deluded leftist who actually hates Trump. 
But the real point is how the left totally ignores all their previous rhetoric as the actual facts emerge in each case. And then when the truth comes out, the left just goes quietly and moves on to something else. Notice when Satan is accused by God of evil that he perpetrated, he remained quiet, Genesis 3, or just quietly goes away, Luke 4.13. He has no response, but he certainly won't take the time to agree with the accusations, does he? Just like the left. Politicians and those in the media are known for their lies. Increasingly, it seems to be what they do. Certainly not all, but many to most appear to traffic in some amount of lying. This is the third group of people, and it is this third group of people who produce lie after lie after lie to change the face of society, and it's obviously working. For instance, we were told that, oh yes, there was some fraud in the 2020 election, but it was so minimal, it really didn't change the outcome and had no ability to do that. We're also told that Biden received 81 million votes, far more than even Obama ever got, in spite of the fact that Biden's polling numbers leading up to the election didn't indicate that type of favor. We are also told continually that climate change is destroying the world and we need to start eating more sustainably, which to the globalists means eating bugs. And they're actually saying that right now. Never mind that snacking on crickets could cause health problems. There's links to that in my transcript. And then we continue being told that the mRNA jab is perfectly safe. This is in spite of the fact that many people are dying suddenly, often from heart attacks after taking it. It is consistently denied that it has anything to do with the mRNA jab, but other things like, oh, for instance, strong emotional responses to something can do the trick. You know, it used to be that laughter was the best medicine, but now apparently laughing heartily at something can actually stop your heart. Well, I don't know. I think I'll take my chances. Steve Kirsch tackles this subject in one of his latest articles. And again, I've put links at the end of the transcript. If you choose to read it, notice the imagery included in the article where researchers used computerized thermographic imaging and live blood analysis to determine differences in people who were jabbed versus people who were not. It's stark. It's clear. And the saddest part of it is that those who are jabbed, though their blood looks completely different due to clotting already starting, they're essentially asymptomatic until they have a heart attack. But it seems that the jab literally creates a time bomb inside each person who receives it. It's not worth it in my book. Well, of course, the CDC has now backtracked a bit on many things they mandated originally and even admitted to an extent that, oh, gosh, they made mistakes in reaction to the pandemic. But now we should fully trust whatever they tell us. Well, this form of deception is often used by con artists to gain and keep control over weak minded people. And by the way, if you've had the jab and you may think you're going to start experiencing heart problems or maybe you have issues right now, you're concerned about potential problems. Dr. Robert Malone has an excellent article on what may help you. And that's again linked at the bottom of the transcript. So what do we do when we realize the world is filled with reprobates who want nothing more than to gain control over all society? You get and remain above it so that you're less 
capable of being deceived. That's what you need to do. Stay above it. And this only happens when you read his word daily, when you memorize sections of it and repeat it to yourself throughout the day. When you come to him in prayer, supplication and praise, which allows him to work in and through you for his glory. It is helpful to know, and I want to emphasize that, to know what's happening in society, right? We need to be aware. However, unlike the many who still believe that some human being is coming to save us in November or beyond, understand that things will more than likely worsen and grow increasingly evil until Jesus actually and physically returns to this planet. Satan is fighting for his agenda and his life. And the other choice we have here is to be deceived and grow extremely cold toward other people. Matthew 24, 12, quote, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Love growing cold is one of the signs of the end of the age. It's happening because of the wickedness that is rising to the top of society. It's literally coming out of the shadows as the new normal because of trials and tribulations The love that many have had uh, and want to have for the world, as well as the apostasies taught by false prophets and teachers from within Christendom, all of this is making the love grow cold. We see violence and evil and false teachings and false prophets and apostasies and everything else going on in the world. And we, we just get to a point where we go, I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to see it. I mean, many of these folks may well choose to ultimately leave the faith. And this is becoming more and more popular. And it's called deconversion. When someone who has been living life as a Christian finally, ultimately, totally walks away, fully rejecting God, Jesus, and the Bible. Were these people actually saved? Possibly not, though it's not something that we can know because we can't see into their hearts. Only God can. If they were truly saved and then they deconverted, they cannot lose their salvation. So even though they may have rejected Jesus, his authority over them through his word, they will be with him after their deaths. Folks, deception abounds today. The source is always the same, Satan. The impact deception has on society is always the same. Degeneracy and reprobate minds. We are really living it as we watch society literally purge all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Jesus warned us. Paul warned us. Peter warned us. John warned us. For more on these last days, here's a sermon I've included in the transcript, a link to it from Reverend Danny Jones explaining things in more detail. It's called The Last Days. Now, I think one thing that will help our outlook is for Christians to start seriously focusing on the fact that we are here on earth as sojourners, strangers. We're in it, but not of it. If you were to visit a third world country or any country, for instance, you would probably be emotionally removed from the day-to-day politics, wouldn't you? You can enjoy the beauty of that country, but not be swept up into the potential evils of the politics if that existed. And you might not even be aware of them because you're just visiting. I think Christians need to be more like this today. I know I do. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our overriding job is to not change the politics of our nation. Yes, we should vote, do what we can to keep things from getting worse, and even try 
to make them better to some extent through the political process. That is there for us. However, with the amount of evil and corruption that's working overtime to steer this world toward a final one world government, we ultimately won't be successful. Our success must instead be seen in our efforts to take the gospel to the lost of this world, which is going to be destroyed by Jesus himself eventually. Climate change is not going to destroy this world. Overpopulation won't destroy it. Droughts or floods won't destroy it. It'll be destroyed at the very moment predetermined by God at some future point. Because the Holy Spirit works in and through all Christians, the church, that alone keeps this world from becoming completely evil. Once the rapture occurs, and to emphasize we have no idea when in the future it will occur, the dam is going to break, and at that point evil will literally pour out onto global society unchecked. But right now the church's presence keeps this from happening. However, we see that even there, evil is clearly overtaking many areas of society. I can't imagine how bad it will become once the church is gone. Can you? It is extraordinarily easy to be caught up in concern over the things that are destroying America and other nations of this world. Does God want us to work hard to save those nations? Or has our commission always been in presenting truth to those who are lost? The book of Revelation alone just as one example helps us conclude that what is coming, the tribulation, is not something to necessarily look forward to, is it? Yet, it has been predetermined and decreed by God himself, starting in Daniel 2. The coming tribulation, or great tribulation, leads to the physical return of our great God and Savior Jesus. The bad times coming will eternally pale into significance upon his glorious arrival. We need to be focused on our job now and see ourselves as we rightfully are, strangers in this growing evil world. Thank you so much for joining me. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 